Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome back to In The Pink, the podcast with me, Natalie Binkham. Um, Thank you so much for your feedback on lovely Lee Dixon. He was a joy to chat to. I know I say that about everyone and I sort of mean it because it's lovely just talking to lots of different interesting people. But he really is a very nice man indeed. So thank you, Lee, for your time and your story and sharing some of your innermost thoughts with us. That was great. Um, We will revisit that hopefully in the next series and get his thoughts on whatever's happening on the pitch both on and off the pitch in fact so he's got um, good interesting views on all things football okay my next guest is full of energy my goodness this woman is a proper little pocket rocket uh, full of energy and ambition she's actually my first winter sports star I've spoken to she is the snowboarder Amy Fuller. Amy's got loads of interesting stories, loads of energy, um, and a smile that lights up a room. Ladies and gentlemen, Amy Fuller. So here we are in the leafy suburb of southwest London with a two let, no, a let sign outside the front door because this is your new proud home. It's Amy so- Fuller, thank you very much for welcoming me in. Thank you very much for coming. Excited to host you in my new home. It's great, isn't it? So, so you, you've, you've settled here um, and is this going to be your home for some time? Like, how do you see things playing out? Definitely envisage staying in southwest London. I've already been here for a year and a half. Um, so just moved slightly closer um, into town. I absolutely love it here, just being by the river. It's beautiful and, you know, 25 minutes to Heathrow at 6am is um, perfect for me because I'm constantly in and out. I was going to say, you, I, I doubt the travel has abated much because you are constantly on the go. You're like this little ball of energy that everywhere I see is just bouncing from one thing to the next. Um, but obviously most people know you because of your snowboarding and two Winter Olympics? Yeah, two Winter Olympics. Um, Sochi 2014 and Pyeongchang 2018. And yeah, it's crazy how all of that essentially happened so fast. Starting snowboarding age 12, age 16, picking up my first sponsor and it just spiralled from there the introduction of the Olympics for Slopestyle in 2012. So it became my sole mission 
to represent the country at the Winter Olympics. So when you knew that that was a possibility and this was a path that you could realistically take as a career, that must have been like, wow, I can actually follow my passion and be paid to do it, which, you know, most people would could only dream of. Yeah, really, really surreal. Um, I, I've come from a background of many different sports. I would say that was probably the problem when I was younger. I did motocross, I did gymnastics, I skied, I played lacrosse, I played basketball, you name it, I did everything. And there was this one moment where my dad said to me, he's like, you're quite good at sport, but you're pretty average (laughs) at all of them. Why don't you like pick one? And I love snowboarding, but I never, ever imagined that I could make a career out of it. I remember watching the X Games on TV, which was a huge American contest and seeing that and, and thinking, wow, that's, you know, light years away. How, How could, you know, the girl from Kent in England ever, you know, compete on the world stage? Um, but when I was 16, I got noticed by Roxy, which opened up this amazing opportunity. It was crazy. They, uh, I came home from school having just started my A-levels in Northern Ireland, actually. And yeah, Why did you live in Northern Ireland? My family moved there, um, yeah, when I, in 2007, just for some work opportunities. And oh, right. they've settled there, and I found my way back here through all of the travel, um, it's logistically not the best place to live for, mm. for travelling. Mm. Uh, but it is, it is beautiful there, and I love going home, and that is home. And you, do, so, you, you do come out as home? That's home. I have, yeah. I have a house there, so, um, but rent here in London, um, and then I go, go back there to see my family. So everyone's over there now, my nan and granddad, oh. everyone. So we're completely English, but everyone has resided in Northern Ireland, randomly. Yeah. Uh, um, where were we though about the snowboarding? Yeah, about about it being a viable career option. Yeah, for you. I I never really saw it as a possibility until I picked up my first sponsor, and then the opportunity was presented to me to join the GB Junior team. And as soon as I finished my A levels, it was basically a case of this is possible if I put everything into it, and I did. <laughs> and by everything, how much kind of sacrifice did you have to make? Or or as a family, how much does everyone have to buy into it? Because, as you say, coming from Kent, it's not a normal kind of transition to make, is it? It's definitely not normal at all. Um, I would consider getting noticed, being really lucky, but then, you know, really utilising that opportunity. So every time uh, there was an opportunity to go on a trip, I I was there, and the first one there, and I stayed. I was the first one on the hill, and the last one on the hill. And I think that's the unique thing about coming from the UK. You're, you really appreciate that time on snow because it's not on our doorstep. Mm. You know, if you live in Austria and it's a snowy, cold day, you might not go riding. Whereas when you're only out there for a week, you ride every single day, first lift to last lift. And it was really about putting in the ground work when I was on snow. Um, and then my career just, just built from there. Um, how hard was it though how much of a commitment how much oh I mean yeah it was I I was away pretty much all the time um in the middle of my A-levels I remember I was away for a month uh in the States and yeah it's crazy how my my career kind of catapulted I remember going to getting my first allocated budget so that was the second year with Roxy and they gave me some money uh at the time that was three thousand euros 
and it seemed like so much money. I was like, wow, I can go on like six snowboard trips if I play my cards right. But obviously that's not a lot of money to to do it. And um, it was that year that it was like, okay, well, if I invest this amount of money into that contest, if I do well, I'm going to be able to go to the next contest. But if I don't, then I'm stuck. And um, there's one really clear moment that sticks out in my head. And I think I had about 200 euros uh, left. And it was like... Uh, I don't think I should go to the contest and one of my older friends uh, who'd been on tour for a while she's like come on Fuller you need to go to this you've got this and I turned up I rode the best I've ever ridden and won 6,000 euros and it was like sweet game changer and then that spiralled into further sponsorship and opportunities so um, yeah it's it's crazy how how things happen and and how that transition of you know going into a full-time sport and essentially living out of a suitcase. And I think that's that's the non-glamorous side of it. And it's crazy, you know, age 18 to sort of 22, you know, one week you're staying, you know, with the GB team in some sort of like grotto and there's three of you in a room first, then uh, going on a trip with Red Bull, who was one of my sponsors, and staying in like a five-star hotel in Austria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the contrast was amazing and I think... Keeps it real. It's so humbling and um, that's one thing that I've really taken away from it and it's I've learned how to make the best out of any situation mm. on the road. I do, I like this idea, you know, it's the old adage, isn't it? You're only as good as your last game. But I like this idea that you you, you have to keep excelling in order to jump on the next step as if almost the step doesn't appear unless you're ready to pounce yeah off the back of the last one definitely um for sure the first three years of my career it was just go 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 and then when the opportunity was presented to go to the olympics that sort of format changed slightly and there was a bit more of a structure in how i went about competing but before that it was all about the x games and my ultimate goal mission was to be the first woman to land a double in competition, which I did um, after multiple injuries and setbacks. Um, but in 2012 at the European X Games, um, I landed the first double in competition. And that really created a platform for me then to get further sponsorship, get into other contests. Because that's one thing as well. Not You can't just rock up and do like the X Games like there's eight girls in the world that get invited to the X Games so yeah it was it was almost like a conveyor belt you know Mm. you you have to stay in the mix at the top like any elite sport so explain to those who don't know which kind of includes me I have to say how hard it is to land the double like what does that actually mean and how much actually has to go into that and how surprised (laughs) were people that you managed it um yeah no it at the time it was um I I would say my strong point was my aerial awareness. Um, I hadn't, haven't been snowboarding as long as some of the other girls on tour. So definitely um, I utilised my aerial awareness to my advantage. Um, So it was almost like, okay, this is the quick route to success, which meant that I then definitely skipped some hurdles, uh, which made things harder for me later in my career. But um, by learning that, I was in New Zealand the summer before, and this was the introduction of the airbags. And uh, I was lucky enough to get on the Red Bull airbag, um, a private session, and I tried it on there a couple of times. And um, So, so th- that was almost like what we have in Formula 1 as a simulator. It's the yeah. closest thing you're going to get. Yeah, to, right. So, and 2012 would have been like the introduction of that. We never had that Ooh. before. So before that, you'd go up on the mountain and you'd build 
a jump and you fling yourself off into the power but it's into the powder but it's very much a risk assess sport and there's so many stages and strategies into perfecting a particular trick and I I got it dialed on the airbag I took it to snow a very similar jump next to the airbag and then it was just about applying myself and peeling back the layers and the nerves to be able to do it in a contest and I think with something new, with something big that you've never done before, you never really feel ready. But it's about the visualisation and the process. And if you can visualise yourself learning it, even when you're standing at the top and you get that, you know, your eyes are closed, you're ready to drop in and, you know, you've got that, like, gulp of, like, sort of... It's not, like, fear, it's like that... It's like an adrenaline rush, but it's a nervous adrenaline rush and... Oh, am I ready? But if you can visualize it, you can do it. And I could visualize it, and I visualized it over and over again. And everything was right. The conditions were right. You know, it was sunny, it was warm. The jump was in good condition. The landing was soft. By that I mean it wasn't sheet ice. Um, so yeah, I managed to pull it off, and that definitely would be, uh, I would say, the bolt hold of opportunity it created for wow. me to sort of that's amazing a single moment yeah it's yeah. just like launched yeah, you completely literally and metaphorically um, <laughs> I, I can guarantee you that anyone listening is now busily searching for it on youtube to see it because visually incredible yeah um how dangerous oh is it's it? so dangerous when i look look back at some of the things um i've done it's it's not dangerous when you're in the right place mentally and physically so much of it is about being in in a very stable mental state. Uh, you for sure have to be like happy and buzzing because if you go up there like all dour and serious, you know, snowboarding really is about having a good time. It's a sport that you enjoy. And if you're up there and you're not feeling good, it's just not going to work for you. <laughs> it's almost like, okay, let's go back down to the cafe, have a coffee and reset. Because... We were talking before about Nick Doherty because obviously he he's done this podcast and um, we were talking about the extent of how his his game just unravelled and we were talking, you and I, about the importance of, of mental yeah. health and well-being to be able to perform at your best, which, you know, sounds pretty obvious. But actually, when you take it to something like this, when you, when you, you know, you're risking your life. Oh, yeah. I mean... To, not, to, to, to hear you say that you've got to be in a happy place to even yeah. begin to think about trying it, it's quite interesting. A hundred percent. And I, I would say that yoga is a huge passion of mine. And that's something that progressed through my career, especially in between the two Olympic cycles. It was like holding body and mind together. And I utilise that as almost like a rehab tool as well as like a preparation tool um but also like my quiet time to like mentally visualize what I wanted to achieve on the mountain um so yeah mental health in the game for sure is is key wow and uh, in 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 terms of the yoga so you were running that sort of parallel to your training so how much time Given that it's finite on the mountain itself because of where you live yeah. and everything else, how much could you do? You know, you obviously had this um, facility at Red Bull. Yeah. But beyond that, is it gym work? Like, what, what else are you having to do? Yeah, to what get does to it that? take to be a snowboarder? Yeah. It takes, um, 
yeah, uh, physically you have to be strong, fast, powerful. Um, there's a lot of plyometric work, a lot of strength training, but then there's also the aerial awareness side. So gymnastics, trampoline work, which is something again, which has been introduced more recently. And that really helps with the transition of taking new skills, putting them into a foam pit and then putting them onto a jump. Um, so when I was back in the UK in the summer, I would do quite a lot of cycling, um, because we go out and ride for, you know, hours at a time. So just for fitness, is that a fitness yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's just purely to have that mm. endurance base, mm-hmm. but then you also need to match that with explosive power, strength and speed training. So yeah, I was training full-time as an athlete from the age of uh, 18 to sort of last year, really. And we did a, a really cool thing at Sky Sports with the, with the gymnastics at the O2. And Simone Biles was there, who's obviously just insane. She's phenomenal. I mean, she's just, how creative can you get with the things you do? And and are you limited? Like, would you would you go in and go right? This is what I want to try because I remember Simone Biles. Obviously, you know when you're good when you've got moves named after you. But she was the one setting the boundaries for herself. Yeah. So how much of it is it down to you? And how much? How often do people kind of interject and go? Sorry, Amy, you just can't do that, you <laughs> nutter. Um, no, it's definitely, it's all about creativity. Snowboarding yeah. is creativity. It's, it's almost like gymnastics. Um, I would say the spins and rotations are pretty on par in mm. terms of how extreme they can or can't be. Um, one of the tricks that um, I learned on a rebel camp was this uh, cab double 900, which is a, imagine if you're a skier, going backwards into a jump, doing a 180 and a double backflip. Um, There is no ceiling in women's snowboarding right now. It's progressing so rapidly with the introduction of the airbags and in particular the young Japanese riders are absolutely um, dominating. So it's a very, very exciting time for the sport and, um, yeah, it's (laughs) also scary because there, there is no ceiling to the progression. Wow, it, it's, that's exciting though. Yeah, to no. know to watch. Why? Why are the Japanese doing so well? Is that about funding? Is that a, a cultural thing that they they just focus more attention and I would say it's it? um, because they were the ones that invented this particular bag and this airbag sits. If you imagine a jump, so you have your takeoff, you have the deck, which is the flat bit in the middle. So that can be anywhere between twenty meters to 30 meters and then you have the landing and this airbag sits on the landing so it's like an actual landing slope right made out of bouncy air and they created that so they've been training on that for you know years and uh the rest of the world is just catching up (laughs) right okay that's so cool in the pink is sponsored by bose who've been perfecting the art of sound so that you can listen in unrivaled comfort the new bose noise cancelling 700s take it to a whole other level So you'll always hear exactly what you want, no matter where you are. Also, be heard like never before with their unrivaled four-microphone system, which isolates your voice whilst cancelling the noise around you. Pretty cool, huh? Always stay connected with Bose's first-of-its-kind augmented reality function that will change the way you think about travel, exercise and learning. Never be caught out because they have an excellent 20 hours of battery life. They come in black and silver, so you can work them around your style, your little fashionistas. 
And you can treat your ears with the Bose Noise Cancelling 700s. It's a sound experience like no other. Now, back to the interview. Um, so what about, what, what's next for you? Like, do you feel like, you haven't snowboarded for, for a while. Yeah. I know that much. I know you're going tomorrow, which I is amazing. I am going tomorrow, yeah. But do you feel like you've achieved what you want to in snowboarding? Or do you feel like there is still more to do? Because you're still very young and you've got it all. Um, I'm at a very exciting phase of my career. Um, as I was kind of telling you earlier, um, I have just ran a marathon in North Korea and filmed a documentary. So completely out of my realm and territory. And I absolutely loved everything about that experience and opportunity. And I would love to do more like that. Mm. Um, within snowboarding, I want to go into the more creative side, which is backcountry. So that's off mountain, big, b- big mountain, sorry, off piste, big mountain riding. So you go up with a backpack, avalanche transceiver, probe, you hike for two to three hours and you find lines, cliffs and create jumps to film the beautiful stuff that you see on the television. Mm. So that's actually what I did last year off the back of the Olympics. I filmed in Japan with Roxy um which was amazing shot their global campaign and I plan to be doing more of that in the softer snow um rather than the icy contest conditions right right okay so and where would you find where where do you find that are they icy conditions because lots of people have have used them and therefore okay so um generally tougher contests are savage Mm. you Mm -hmm. have 40 to 60 girls in an event along with the guys you're riding the same course Mm. um sometimes the weather isn't great we Mm. saw in the 2018 winter olympics it was the worst female snowboarding event in history i would say they ran the contest in really dangerous conditions a lot of people got hurt three girls got injured and the podium wasn't a true representation of the standard Talent. of women's snowboarding. Yeah, yeah, um, right. It was a joke and it was a huge question as to whether they should have run it or not. Mm. And they did. And that does happen a lot in the sport. So it's about us as riders coming together and, and making a stand and saying, no, we're not riding. But at the Olympics, they're like, okay, well, we're going to run it. You're either in or you're not. So we all dropped in and it was awful. Um, so really not a true representation. And to be honest, I, I don't want to dabble with that anymore um I've done it for a long long time and Mm. I'm excited about the other opportunities within snowboarding and the opportunities that snowboarding essentially has opened for me I mean this year has just been so so random but also so amazing at the same time so let's talk more (laughs) about this marathon in North Korea because that is bonkers you know yeah very few people that can say they've ever been to North Korea and less still who can say they've done a marathon honestly I didn't even know that you could go to North Korea Mm -hmm. like casually um I mean it wasn't really casual I'm not gonna lie um but for me that was a an eye-opener in itself um and that all came about because Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Because if I was ever to run a marathon, the year after the Olympics was the year. Mm. And in 2018, I was standing on the London Marathon finish line with Tag Heuer. And I was like, I'd much rather be running this. And the marketing director said, well, yeah, you can next year. And then she messaged me in the November going, okay, so are you actually up for this? And I was like, let me speak to my mum. Because I wanted to do it with my mum. My mum was like, Give me a few days to decide. She was like, yep, I'm in. So we tackled it together. And it was always something that we had discussed that if we were to ever do it, we would do it together. That's so nice. Because we both like running, but, you know, yeah. casual runners, like mm. three, five miles, never never the 26.2 realm. <laughs> and I posted a story in January, after coming back from Japan, actually, um, and I went for a run in Richmond Park, put it on my story on Instagram and said... I've just run 10 miles, covered in mud, soaking wet, and we got completely lost. And off the back of that, Leah Hervey, who used to work at Sky, now works for the Olympic Channel, um, saw that I was running London, and she messaged me and said, hey, you don't fancy running another marathon, do you? And I was like, ha, no thanks. And she said, it's in North Korea. And I was like, tell me more. So I remember sitting in my flat, with my mum, actually, having this obscure phone call. And it was like, so we're, we want you to front a documentary and it's going to be about a marathon in North Korea. There's a marathon, a half marathon, and a 10K. And my first question was, can I run, can I run the half? And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Six weeks later, <coughs> I was on a flight to Beijing, having to leave all of my electronics, my phone, any means of communication in China. And then I hopped on a Koiro Air flight, which is a one-star Russian, ex-Russian plane to North Korea. And it was, yeah, quite the experience. <laughs> so, so what was the point of the documentary? To sort of show how sport is universal and that even behind... You know, the, yeah. the, the walls. Um, are... So essentially, uh, we went into North Korea um, to peel back the layers behind their sporting system right. and to showcase how sport really is the universal mm. global language 
that can bring people together. When we were there, everything else was irrelevant because the sole focus was the sport and we connected with the people of North Korea through sport. And that opportunity in itself, whilst we were there, opened up so many doors because of the respect of the Olympic body. So we were there with the Olympic Channel creating a documentary around their sport and essentially how they are excelling. And to be honest, the marathon was just the icing on the cake at the end of it all. But we went to meet the gymnasts, the weightlifters, all of their top athletes, along with seeing some very, very strange things. I what? En route. (laughs) Uh, So the first day... Um, we had to go. It was like they had set up like a guided tour and the first day was the food factory. And we're like, well, why would we go to the food factory? We're not here to see your food. And they were, no, 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 you you have to come and see the food fa- food factory. So we went and we did this tour. If you imagine like some sort of archaic, icy cold building, um, it was freezing with all of these little men, you know, on computer screens making um, the food which the people there eat. So um, in particular, one of the the items that they expressed of importance was French bread. So Sir Kim himself had sent two of his people, which is not normal, out of the country to go and source a recipe for the best French bread. So there we had the French bread. We had chewing what, like gum. A ba- like a baguette? Like a baguette, yeah. And, and, and they'd recreated the baguette? Yeah. Because they well, like, they'd heard that the French bread's the best in the world. Yeah, and, and it was like, we, we have the best bread. It's made here, and, and this is the best bread in the world. And they had various other things, but it got stranger. So as we walked around the factory, we went floor by floor up. We ended up on the top floor. So you imagine a factory, you know, industrial factory. You end up on the top floor... And it's a swimming pool, like a tropical oasis with security guards standing around this pool, waterfalls. But then on top of the factory is the Olympic weightlifting team on their day off, surrounded by security guards. And there was a spread laid out for us. It was beer, chicken feet, white bread, cakes and sweets. And that is what the athletes were eating on their day off. It was so surreal and the gentleman who owns the factory wanted us to stay and have dinner with him and I was like no no I want to go back to the hotel I want to go back to the hotel um so that that was just one snippet of the randomness um that we experienced and it's all in the documentary so where can we see the documentary if you go online it's literally olympic channel and it's called running in north korea yeah so it's about to launch on youtube as well And why did it matter to you to do that? For me, I loved seeing how sport really is something that can can connect people and open so many doors. For me, sport's been a huge part of my life and it has created this platform for me to essentially live my dream. And it's amazing how through this documentary, it really is a showcase of how true and how sport can create some amazing possibilities. What an amazing opportunity for you on a personal level as well. That's so cool. I can honestly say it's up there with one of the best things I've ever done. As as strange as it is to go into that political environment, Mm. it really wasn't about that. Coming back, I ended up on like 
BBC World News and you know they were grilling me like for the politic what did you see? political what angle did you and I'm, I'm like yeah. we weren't there for that we, we were there to see the sport and I can honestly tell you they are producing athletes at an extreme rate it's really? it's like a factory system eating eat. cake and beer and no 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 but, but outside of their day off it's like eat sleep train repeat really? it, it's a factory of success like watch this play watch this space because uh the North Korean athletes are are gonna dominate especially in the gymnastics diving and yeah and the weightlifting surreal like animals <laughs> so when you um are standing where we are and looking at them it's obviously veiled in mystery and, yeah. and intrigue and you know what did it feel like being there and looking out did you get any kind of view of the world through their eyes I felt trapped I felt completely cut off from the world they have no idea what's going on outside I had no communication for eight days and um we got quite friendly with our guides so one of them was called Lee and the other one was called Mr O and I said to Lee I was like you know like let me know if you ever want me to come back and like help with the development of snowboarding in your country because they definitely need some help in that department um and they are training they've got mountain facilities and I was like how can we stay in touch um we can't that's it we'll never speak to them again crazy what do you think they think of the rest of the world? I can tell you that Mr. Lee loves the Scottish because he, he went to the Commonwealth Games. And, he did, yeah, okay. uh, because he works for the Olympic Committee and still the athletes travel. And it was really sad, actually. He was telling me when he travels with his athletes, um, they are given the smallest amount of possible time to let, you know, be on a flight layover in a country because people don't want them in a con- in their country. So they land in Europe and they've got a 30-minute layover. So he said they always land and they have to sprint because nobody wants them in their country. So even in transit. Um, so that was really, really sad to hear. Um, obviously, it's not them personally, but it's mm, the, regime, the yeah. regime, which mm. is horrendous. And uh, when he arrived in Scotland... He said the people of Glasgow are the nicest people he's ever met because he had no money because they don't have, you know, they have a different currency system. Not quite sure how it works. And he had no money. And uh, a Glaswegian man picked up Mr. Lee and dropped him off for free at his holiday in hotel in Glasgow for the Commonwealth Games. Um, just, yeah, so surreal hearing, you know, like random snippets and things like that, that, you know, that that's all they experienced of Scotland and they now think it's wonderful. Obviously, Scotland is wonderful. <laughs> We've got some lovely mountains. <laughs> yeah. God, Dad, that's so, what it's, a, but it's sad. Like it they're really so sad. cut off. Yeah. They, they have no, no, yeah. no idea. Yeah, the, I mean, the athletes are the lucky ones. They get to travel. Yeah. They they get to you know see a snippet. You know, I saw the North Korean athletes at the Winter Olympics, but even then, they walk in in a sort of in sync, in a line, in a regime. You know, so. Even within that environment, when they're taken out of their world and put into our world, yeah. they still have to move and walk and talk yeah, in yeah, a particular yeah. way. And I, I remember trying to talk to them there, actually. Yeah, yeah. you did. <laughs> I was like, all right, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't get much back. Much did you feedback. not? No, 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 no. Come on. It's all your charisma. You must. Um, it got, it's so interesting, though, isn't it? Because what you're talking about, uh, if you obviously combine discipline with perfect diet and concentrating 
I suppose it's like the 10,000 hour rule, you know, you're going to produce great athletes. But then I go back to your earlier point about happiness and a a strong state, mental state of mind, you know, when you approach a sport. So it's interesting to know, and who's to say they're not happy? They may well be, maybe, you know, we don't know. But um, it will be very interesting to see how the next few years and decades pan out in terms of their sporting development. Oh, 100%. I think um, they forecast holding an Olympics in North Korea, which is just mind-boggling after going there and seeing everything Mm. and how they operate. I don't quite understand how that could work. But I think... The North Korean athletes are happy because they don't know anything else and they are being looked after, they're being fed, mm. watered and housed mm. and um, they are the le- the elite of that country. Yeah. Um, and, and they It's do- probably hugely respected and yeah. you know, what, what a privilege, what an honour for them. Um, wow, God, how interesting. I mean, and also, um, I'm quite surprised that you were allowed to do the documentary at all, but that's great. Yeah, crazy. Um, there, we definitely had to... Uh, jump over a few fences and uh, negotiate with them whilst we were there. Um, they reviewed all of the footage, right? Um, which was actually in my room. That's another funny story. <laughs> um, they were in my room for five hours um, reviewing the footage and looking at, over all of the camera equipment, um, which then made me quite scared. But yeah, you can think what you like, right? I was I was terrified the first two nights. Um, yeah. Because it's just, it's a very strange environment. It's just different. Just yeah, very different. it's just different. Well, very, very different. That is very cool. Along with Bose, In the Pink is sponsored by Tag Heuer, Swiss avant-garde since 1860. Excellence, precision and elegance. Their timepieces are designed for those who love challenges, which is a great fit for this podcast because most of the guests share that sentiment. Um, so what you know with that as a sort of grounding and looking forward from that experience which does sound amazing what else would you like to do if you could wave your magic wand would you like to do more documentary stuff like that I would love to do I'd love to have another opportunity to do another documentary Mm. Um, I've had a few opportunities within television as well which I've absolutely been loving Mm. Um, I love buzzing around and, you know, being in the mix, <laughs> as I like to say. But, um, no, I've been recently developing Fuller Fitness, um, which is a YouTube series which drops every Sunday. At the minute, there's a different athlete every week, but we're going to spice it up, get some different people. So I dropped the far- first one two weeks ago with Adam Jamili, fresh off the back of the nice. World Champs. Um, so that's something exciting in the background, which okay. is... Sli- so what fitness tips for... That we as viewers can learn from. Yeah, uh, it's for everyone. Um, there's also fitness within the home, and they're just tips and tricks um, to essentially motivate you oh, to cool. get outside and move. Um, movement is medicine. That's my vibe, and um, I love my health and fitness alongside everything else I do. So, yeah, it's a unique little platform for me to be able to share my passion for that That's outside great. of everything else I do. And what, what do you sort of see um, the future of women's sport? I mean, it feels to me in, to be in a really good place right now and it feels like it's getting better and better yeah. and better. But I do still feel there's a long way to go, particularly in Formula One. You know, I want to see far more women in the sport at every level of the sport. You know, obviously 
the ultimate dream within my lifetime of a, a woman winning a Grand Prix, maybe a World Championship. How do you view it from inside um, your sport, but also the, the experiences that you've had across others? Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting year in that sense. I've done quite a bit with women's football, um, and that's been a huge interest of mine over the summer, having it been you know, the summer of sport, and there's been a huge profile increase on women's sport, but I believe it's still not there yet. Mm. It's definitely on the up. And like you said about the Formula One, it'd be amazing to see a girl in the mix. Mm. Like, wh- why not? I mean, for me, there's no reason why it can't happen. Because, you know, physically, there's nothing that precludes a woman from getting in a car and driving it very fast. You know, there's, the, 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 you know, and I talked actually with Jensen Button about that. You know, yeah. he's a world champion, so his opinion's counts for more than mine but he he agrees and you know it's but it's about accessibility it's about perception it's about having strong role models that girls can emulate and do you feel that that is happening now across the board do you think the role models are there because I feel like we're all making the right noises but you know seeing big crowds at the football and the cricket yeah which is fantastic is that trickling down is that is that is that reaching I think um I think the role models are there you know, we have the role models in football, tennis. You know, I'm sure there's role models within the driving world mm. as well. Well, we've got the W Series, which is which is amazing, all female series, um, which you know would hope will hopefully produce and is producing some great female talent that can hopefully then come through and ultimately launch them into Formula One. I think it's um, a huge part of it is about the grassroots level as mm. well and accessibility to the sport and I think uh, through the profile increasing of various sports over the summer um, it definitely opens the doors and inspires the younger generation and I think that's what it's all about is getting the youngsters doing the sport and you know not worrying about you know being sweaty or muddy or um, you know using that image as array of positivity mm. and confidence and um, I think that's that's I, I would say one of the the biggest most challenging factors uh, for women is their confidence um, you know when you enter a gym for example and you know the weights room is is full of men mm. lifting heavy weights but there's there's no reason why a female can't be present and be feminine Mm. in that place you know well because because image matters so much to young girls growing up they they need to feel that yeah playing sport is cool is sexy it's you know it's all the things that make them appeal to blokes if that's what they want yeah but you know certainly I think I think that's that's there that's there isn't it yeah it's definitely there and that's our job as role models for the Mm. next generation to showcase that it's cool to be sweaty it's cool to lift weights, you know, it's like um, debunking the myths that, you know, football's for boys, it's not for boys, Mm. girls can play football, Mm. and snowboarding, skateboarding, you know, they might be extreme sports, but girls can do extreme sports too. Because, you know, growing up, I was always a tomboy for playing sport, and I'm sure you've had that label plenty of times, but actually... Why is that being a tomboy? Why can't it just be very feminine? Yeah, and it's cool to to play sports as a girl. I, and I think I, I think I think we're moving in the right direction. Mm. I really do. But there's definitely work to be done. And I think um, coverage is a big problem in women's sport across the board. Even though this year was the year of greater coverage, 
but we're still not seeing on the back and the front of of papers of the newspapers mm. um of the sports shows you know it's still male heavy male dominant mm. and there are differences in performance but those those levels are closing in, especially in my sport you know um we've seen seen the first female triple cork now um guys might be on quads but trust me the girls are catching up and girls can be strong can be powerful and beautiful at the same time mm. that feels like a very natural end to what has been a lovely chat but also just uh, that feels a good place to finish i feel like i feel like it does as well thank you lovely amy that was a fun way to spend a bit of my afternoon chatting to you and uh, you're one of life's little energizer bunnies yeah so good fun lovely person amy fuller ladies and gentlemen loads more strong female role models i think i should put it that way on the way including annabelle croft dame kelly holmes and uh, actually a few surprise guests on the way oh by the way keep listening because we are going to start running competitions to win those bose noise cancelling 700s they are wicked they are well worth getting your paws on so uh yeah keep listening and i will tell you how speak to you soon um, and rate review subscribe give us your feedback on all the guests here on in the pink bye for now imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.